0: We love your you, king. We love your you, Messiah. We bless your name, Father. We honor you God. I want to just take a moment to pray for three individuals. Uh, in the next week, there will be three people from this church that are going to India to seek medical help. We've got Bebe Omozi, who is almost two years old with a heart condition. Uh, he's uh, going to India, and I just pray for healing. Uh, we have a girl by the name of Beatrice who will also be going to India, and she's been having this nervey problem for over three months now. Just praying for God's healing there. We've got Peter who has a tumor in his head, and I just praying for God's healing. So I just lift these guys up to God in prayer, that God will look upon them with mercy and compassion and kindness, and that He will bring healing. Uh, but also he would work even through this medical help. Just take a moment to pray. That we come to you for we know that you are the healer. We know that you are a compassionate God. We know that you are the God who hears prayers. We know, Father, that even in this moment, you are right here, Lord. So we lift up Peter. We lift up Beatrice. We lift up Bebel Maud to you, Father. We pray, Father, that you would bring healing in these situations. For we know that you, God, are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or even ever imagine. So may you bring your healing to the glory of Jesus. We also pray as they're doing preps and going to India. Father, we pray that you will be with them and that, God, you work even through that process to the glory of your name. God, we have faith in the faith of Jesus because we know that he creates things even out of nothing. We have faith in the faith of Jesus, who declares life, even in dry situations. So we look up to you, Father, for you are good. And may you show your mercy and kindness in in all of these situations. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. While you're still standing, I want to just read us this scripture, Proverbs chapter 3 verses 1 to 6, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. So the Bible says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. This is the word of the Lord God. Thank you for you do make our path straight when we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. There is a big difference between belief and trust. I think most of us, have a belief that God exists. Most of us have a belief that God provides, have a belief that God answers prayers. But just because you have a belief that God exists, that you have a belief that God is present, that He answers prayers, that does not equate to the reality that you have trust in God. Because trust is not just about having the right ideas about God. Trust is not just h- loving the idea that God provides. Trust is not about loving the idea that God is faithful or God is kind. Trust is not just about having the right ideas about God or even loving those right ideas about God. But trust is about living what you know about God is true. Living like what you know about God is true. Trust is living like God indeed does provide. Trust is living like knowing that God is faithful. Trust is living like God will guide you. God is kind. And I think most of us do and say the right things about God, but we do not live like we believe the things we say about God. Yes, it's true that God is faithful, but do you live like God is faithful? Yes, it's true that God provides, but do you live like God provides? Yes, it's true that God is present even in your life, but do you live like God is present in your life? And I think the moment you shift from just knowing true things about God to living like the things you know about God are true, then in that moment you have actually started to really trust God. The day you shift from just knowing the right things about God, from just having the right ideas about God, and you start to live like the things you believe about God are true, the moment you have started to trust God. You have really started to trust God. And uh, uh, today as we are looking at this subject of trust, now when I look at at trust, um, I define trust as allowing God to decide what's best for you. Allowing God to decide what's best for you. Allowing God that He can decide what's best in your marriage. Allowing God that He can decide what's best in your workplace. What is best for you in this season? That you give that authority to God. In other words, you are giving God the power to decide what's important in your life. That is trust. That God, I give you permission, I give you the power to decide what is important, to decide what is best for me in this season. Now, when we are looking into this passage of Proverbs chapter 3, very famous passage, verses 1 to 6, I think there are certain difficult settings in our lives that this passage challenges. The temptations that we often find ourselves running into, I think this passage does challenge those temptations. Because when it comes to trusting God, sometimes we can find ourselves leaning on some other thing other than really trusting in God. Or when it comes, you know, when God demands trust from you, in that moment, where do you go? Are you going to trust God or are you going to run into something else? And I think this passage does challenge the things we tend to run to when it comes to trusting in God. So I want to mention about three temptations that this passage Challenges. Number one, it challenges our need for control. It challenges our need for control. Scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. If there is one temptation that truly hinders us from trusting God, is actually this need that we've got for control. Not only do we want control, but actually we want to be in control. We want to be in control. We want to feel like we're in control. And, and that control here just means you wanting things to happen your way. You wanting to get your way. You needing to get your way. That's what control is. And I think this is, this is why we find it so hard to trust God sometimes. Because when you trust God, you're saying, God, with this situation... Please decide what you think is best for me. And when you do that, that means you're letting go of control. And most of us are like, come on, I don't want to lose that control. I want to be in control. I want to have control. When you're going to trust God, you're going to find yourself in a place of letting go of control. Surrendering your control. Actually, that's how we're going to curb uh, this temptation of control is when we surrender it. To God. But the reality is, even though we like to feel as if we're in control, but we're not really in control. I don't know if some of you remember, but it happened like this is a real story. There was a time, there was a time when I couldn't just speak to people without wearing something on my mouth. There was a time when you couldn't just get outside your house. There was a time when we couldn't just meet as a church. I don't know if some of you remember that time, but it was called COVID, right? If if there was a thing that actually COVID taught us is that we are not really in control. We're not really in control of our finances. We're not really in control, you know, of our future. We're not really in control of our health. And we discovered that, and we thought we were in control of our meeting times, or we realized we are not. We thought we were in control of how many people we can meet together, but we realized, actually, we are not. But we want to be in control. And I think most of us are looking. The reason why we find it so hard to give control to God. Because we are looking for a God we can control. We are looking for a God whom we can say, hey, uh, give me this thing at such such a time. I want this thing now. I want this thing today. And I want want you to give me this thing in this way. And we think that we are looking for God who we can tell When he does what? But we thank God because God can never be tamed. We thank God that God can never, his hand can never be twisted. Even though sometimes we might think, or we might not say these things, but in our actions, we present it that way, that we might think that we want a God we can control, but we don't. We need a God we can trust. We need a God we can trust. And Because if you're going to get a God you can't control, that God cannot be trusted. He can't be trusted. The God you create in your image, the God that you want to twist his hand, that God cannot be trusted. How do I know this? It's because you yourself cannot be trusted all the time. You cannot be trusted all the time. I don't know if it ever happened to you that you say, this is it, the last time I'm ever going to do this thing again. And then, oops, I... I don't know if it happened to you guys. But you do it again. And probably maybe again and again. We cannot be trusted all the time. And if we can have a God created in our image, a God that we can control, then that God cannot be trusted. But we don't need a God we can control. We need a God we can trust. We need a God we can trust. And trusting God sometimes will look like avoiding to embrace what's predictable so that you can embrace that which God wants for you. God, I know you always work this way. But now you're asking me something else different. Are you willing to let go of that which is predictable and allow to get what you think God is, wants for you? Trusting God sometimes will look like giving up what you're already used to. Giving up what you're already used to so that you can embrace that which God wants for you. Trusting God sometimes will look like giving up your treasures. Giving up your treasures, giving up the things you own so that you can embrace, fully embrace that which God wants for you. Trusting God, sometimes it will look like giving up your desires so that you can embrace that which God wants for you. So this passage challenges this temptation, which is bound in our need for control, that we want to be in control. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. This is it's going to challenge your need for control. Number two, this passage challenges our need for comfort. Our need for comfort. Uh, the scriptures here say, verse 6, in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. When we're going to fully trust God, we're going to fully embrace God and say, I wanna. I want you to lead me. I want to trust you fully. We're going to have moments when God will pull us out of our comfort zones. Or he's going to lead us into places that we're not familiar with. He's going to lead us there. And that's going to make us uncomfortable. And I think most of us love. I love, as she says, speaking of myself, I love a happy and a good life. I don't know if you do, but I do. And I want that. I want it like a happy and easy life. Something that's easy. I love that. But this passage says, He, God, He will make your path straight. When you submit to Him, He's going to make your path straight. Now, when I think about this, I'm like, this is amazing. A straight path, that's an easy path, right? But what you think is a straight path may not be what, what's a straight path to God. You know, um, when you're thinking like, oh, this is going to be easy because God is leading me. Just because God is leading you through a certain path It does not mean it's going to be easy. It does not mean you're going to be happy all the time. Because God leads us in a path of holiness and not happiness. The straight path might mean that God will direct us through a path which will glorify Him the most. Following God through this straight path, it means that We are not just going through this path that will make us the happiest the most, but we're actually following this path that will grow us the most. Being led by God, it does not mean that you're going to get at your destination quickly. Being led by God, it means wherever He's taking you, you're going to encounter Him the most. So therefore, you're going to go on that path. So you might not be straight in the way you think it's going to be straight, There might be some twists and turns there, which probably there will be. It's going to be unpredictable. Probably it will be. But it's better you get God's twists and turns than you get your idea of what a straight path is. Because where God is, is better than where you're comfortable. So we want to trust God. We want to trust God. And if if we are fully going to trust God, we need to be willing To let go of this need for control in our lives. Why is giving up your comfort important? I think maybe before you go there, you need to realize that you're going to give up your comfort because God is good. That's it, because God is good. But sometimes you feel like, hey, I'm going to give up this good thing in my life. I'm giving it up to suffer. But actually, you're going to give it up because you know you're exposing yourself to a good God. You're exposing yourself to a kind God, a God who is gracious. And also, you're going to give up your comfort because you want to remind yourself. You want to fully embrace the truth that actually your comfort is not in the things that God gives you. Your comfort is in God. That the reason why I'm going to surrender my comfort is because God himself is my comfort. God himself is my comfort. So you say, Jesus is better than the things that I've got. So therefore, I'm going to gonna, I'm gonna my comfort. And the beauty is that there is more joy when you lay down your comfort to God. So sometimes when we trust God, it's going to mean that God will move us into places that we are uncomfortable. But are we willing to say, hey, God, because you're good, I'm going to let go of this need for comfort in my life. I want to follow you. And even though you're a straight path, might be hard, but I want to go through that door. I want to move in that. And lastly, this passage challenges our need for convenience. Our need for convenience. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. You know, there are times that we trust God. And it's not that we are captivated by God, but we are more captivated by the things or the outcome that our trust will bring you know sometimes you obey God and you're like I'm obeying God not because you're in love with God but you're in love with the result that will come out of obedience sometimes you could do that oh yeah, I'm gonna do that thing for God not because you're doing it for God but because it's gonna help you so you ask what's in it for me for for me to trust God what's in this thing for me what's in it for me But you need, to, you need to believe that actually obedience to God is enough. Obedience itself, if you're going to obey God, if you're going to say yes to God, just saying yes to God in itself is enough. And your obedience to God must supersede your desire for convenience. In other words, obedience is better than convenience. When you trust God, you need to be willing to say, God... I am trusting you. I am moving in the direction that you're calling me. But I hand over the result of my obedience. May you decide what the result will look like. What that result is for me. May you you decide on that as well. And the reason why you're going to do that is because you know it's better to just love God for God. And not for what he gives you. You're like, I want to honor God. I want to just love God. So therefore, I'm not going to worry about the outcome of my obedience. Because there will be times when you're going to obey God. And it's not going to turn out the way you want it to turn out. There are times when you're going to fully trust God and live like you trust God. There will be times when you say, yes, God, I'm giving up this thing that you have been asking me to give up. I will give it up to you. Yes, God, I will surrender to you. And you will do that. And maybe the result will not really look like what you had hoped it to be. But you need to remember that just to obey God is enough. Just to trust. Just to say yes to God. That in itself is actually enough. So don't worry about the output. You are in charge of the input and God is in charge of the output. Like God is going to be in charge of the result. It's up to God how he's going to use your obedience. It's up to God how he's going to use your service. It's up to God how he's going to use your gift. Say, I'm giving up. I'll do what you're asking me to do. But I leave, I leave it to you to decide the outcome of this. And you want to do that because the reality is that when we don't, we're going to find ourselves just like searching and not really searching for God, but just searching for things, just looking for the hand of God. What would God give me? And that's not a good place for us. To be. So this passage challenges us with those three temptations, challenges our need for comfort, just challenges our need for control, and also for convenience. However, there's an invitation in this for us. There's an invitation for you, there's an invitation for me. So what does trust look like from the eyes of this passage? Number one, trust is living like God's word is true, even when it's uncomfortable. Verses 1 and 2 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. My son or my daughter, my child, do not forget my teachings and keep my commands. You know, trusting God, as we're saying, it's not just having the right idea about God or just the knowledge of God's word, but actually it's the willingness to leave that word out. To live it out. Keeping God's commands just means you're living out God's commands. That's what it is. And most of us, we know this, that if we really want to experience true transformation in our lives, if we really want to see change in our lives, it's not just about the knowledge that we've got. It's more to do with the doing. That's what we need, you know. Most of us know that reading books is good, you know. But how many of us that actually really do it there's a lot of things that we know that are good for us that we don't do and it's not in the knowledge but it's in the doing where real change actually really happens so you're gonna leave out God's word and the desire to leave out God's word that in itself is you saying I trust God I trust God so much That I will live by what he says. I'll trust God so much that I'll say yes to his word. Because in that moment you're saying, I don't want to just love his name. I also want to love his ways. I don't want to just love this idea about Jesus. That he's a good teacher. That he does all of these things. Jesus says, if you really love me, you're going to keep my commands. You're going to do what I say. That's how he's sure that you love me. That's how he's sure that you trust me. That when you do what i really say so loving god trusting god is actually doing what he says so trusting is living like god's word is true even when it's uncomfortable so you will live like you won't just know that god's word is true but you will live like god's word is true number two trust is choosing to pursue faithfulness even when it's not convenient trust is choosing to pursue faithfulness Even when it's not convenient. Verse 3 says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Choosing to live a faithful life. That is a way of you trusting God. Choosing to live not only that God is faithful, but that he has called me to live faithfully in my walk. In my life. Living a faithful life is a way of you saying, I trust God. Living faithful lives means you have this continued desire to keep going in the direction God has been calling you to. So you're going to keep going at that. You're going to continue to live faithfully in that, in that path. Living faithfully means choosing God's ways, even when your way might seem to be easier. And Like, I'm going to live like God is calling me to live in this way. It means embracing His wisdom means embracing His word. means like you're living in line with the purpose that God called you to. So God has called you in this relationship. Are you willing to live faithfully in that relationship? God has called you in that workplace. Are you willing to live faithfully there? God has called you into that school. Are you willing to live faithfully there? God has called you into that business, into that connection. Are you willing to live faithfully there? Because living a faithful life is one way that we say, I trust God. I trust God. And we know what's going to happen to those that have been faithful. You know, Jesus Christ explaining the parable of the talents, or some is called the gold. At the end of the two people that were faithful, who actually took their talents, used them for God's glory, multiplied and brought them back to the Master, they received these beautiful words from the Master who said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. And here's a good line. Enter your master's joy. Enter your master's joy. That you and I, if we are faithful, if we are faithful, not only are we going to experience good things that God gives us, but more so, if not above all, the most important thing is that we're going to enter and share into his joy. I think that's absolutely beautiful. That we can share into our master's joy. We can share into our master's joy. So if you say, I trust God, you mean that I want to live a faithful life. And you can be faithful. Why? Because God has been faithful to you and God is faithful to you. God is faithful to you. God is faithful to us. Even we ourselves are faithless. God is always faithful. So because he's been faithful to you, because he's faithful to you, you can also pursue a faithful life. Number three, trust is choosing to entrust yourself to God. Because he is in control. Choosing to entrust yourself to God because he's in control. Verse 5: Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Trusting God with all your heart just means that entrust yourself to God. Give all of you to God. Surrender yourself fully to God. And I think before we trust it needs to start with entrusting. Before we can trust God, we need to start with entrusting ourselves to God. That means we are giving ourselves to God. Here's my brother, Innocent. You know what? I trust that Innocent can text. I know he can text. But if I give him my phone, that means I'm entrusting him with my phone. Not only can he text, but hey, take the thing, the very thing that you could use to text. So we want to say to God, that I don't want to just trust you for the things that you could do for me. I also want to trust you with my very life. I want to trust you with my heart. And before you say, before before I trust you for what you could do for me, God, I want to trust you with all of me, with all of my heart. I want to submit myself to you, God. I want to submit myself to you, God. And we shouldn't just trust God to do something for us. We should trust God to do something with us. We shouldn't just trust God to do something for us. We should also trust that God can do something in us, with our hearts, with us. So then we're going to entrust ourselves to God. We're going to give ourselves to God. And this is very, very important because you and I have the tendency to direct our affections to the things that God gives us. That in the process... We actually miss the gift giver. You and I have a tendency of loving. Other people say making idols of the good things that God gave us. And we lose sight of our God, the one who has given us good things. And when you trust God, and when you entrust yourself to God, you want to say, God, I want to be more in love with you. So you're going to give your heart to God and trust yourself to God. And when you do this, you know that there are times, probably it's happened to you, it's happened to me so many times, that I ask God for something and he doesn't give me. Or He doesn't come in the package that I want it to come in, right? If I've entrusted my heart to God, it doesn't matter whether I receive that thing or not. Because I will know in that moment that my heart is safe with God. I'm never defined by what I've got. I'm never defined by what I don't have. I'm never defined by what I've gained or by what I've lost. I'm safe and secure in God. My heart is in God. And that's a good place for you to be. So you're going to trust and trust yourself to God. Give your heart to God. And there was somebody who did this better, was Jesus. And sometimes you wonder, how could he face so much temptation and never sinned? How could he face so much opposition and never sinned? It's because he had entrusted his heart to God. He had given his heart to God. That he is secure in God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. Now, some of you know, we've been going through this series called Loving After Betrayal. And in this seminar series, just be looking at the, re- the, the reality of betrayal. That betrayal is close to us. That if maybe some of us have not really betrayed other people, which I doubt, I think you have, even in very small ways. But we know we betray our God. But Jesus responds differently when it comes to betrayal. He responds differently when it comes to betrayal. Now, thinking about if there is one thing, that betrayal does destroy its trust. Now, I'm going to shift gears and just put you guys in a little kind of like therapy session. Now, some things might be helpful to you because either you're going through that situation, or maybe you know somebody who's going through that situation, or maybe you will help somebody who is going through this situation. So it's also good for you to just learn and for your knowledge. In relationships, trust takes a lifetime to build, but just seconds to destroy. Trust takes a lifetime to build, but in a few seconds, you can lose it. And I want to say this, you don't know the importance of trust until when you lose it. You don't know the importance of trust until when you lose it. Often we underestimate the value of trust until when it slips away. Especially in relationships. And some of you know what that means. Or some of you maybe remember the time that you betrayed someone else and the trust was gone or diminished or it wasn't as it used to be. You remember that feeling. It's rough to be in that space. But we underestimate the value of trust in connections, in relationships, with our friendships, in our marriages. In our relationships. We underestimate it. But you know the importance of it. Only that you know it when it's gone. Like that. Now there might be some of you. That are like. You know trust was broken. In my relationship. And I want to rebuild it. I want to rebuild this trust. I want to rebuild it. What does that look like? I want to pursue this friendship again. So that we can rebuild this trust again. Oh, by the way, should I trust the person who betrayed me? Should I trust them again? Should I trust them again? That's a question that some people do ask. Now, I'm going to say a bit of a controversial statement, but before you judge me, stay with me until I finish my thought, right? Here's a thought. Don't trust the person who betrayed you again. Don't trust them again. And I was like, oof, there's no grace in that. There's no Jesus in that. And here's my reasoning. Don't trust the person who betrayed you, but trust the version or the new version of the person who betrayed you. Because the reality is that if they're asking you to trust them with, this, with the old them, that's not going to work. You cannot stick with the vision they gave you. You can't. You need to demand that they cannot remain the same. That that old version of them cannot be trusted. They need to embrace a new creation. And if you are the one that has been unfaithful, you have betrayed someone else, you yourself should also demand of yourself That you cannot remain the same. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. There's a new creation which has now come. And we're going to come to God. In God, we're going to find newness. In God, we're going to find a new creation. And that's what God wants for you. So you have to be willing to say, By the way, you don't even like the old you. You don't even want the old you. So now you want to say, hey, I want the new me. I want a better version of me, not this old version of me. And it's when you pursue that new version of you, that's the one that could be trusted. But that old version cannot be trusted. Do we agree on that? If you have qualms, we can talk more later on. But you need to be committed to a new version of yourself if you're going to be trusted. Now, let's talk about rebuilding trust. What does it involve? If a, if, 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 if a couple of people are wanting like, you know, I want to rebuild this trust, what does it involve? I just want to mention just four things that I'm going to mention here. Um, first of all, uh, it involves bringing your shame into the open. Bringing your shame into the open. Now, into the open, I don't mean publicly, but I mean to each other. Bring your shame to each other. Because here's what happens. We often think that, it is the people that have hurt others that feel the shame because of the pain they have caused their partner. But even the person who has experienced the pain also does experience shame. Often the pain of association, the shame of association. That I, am, I relate with them. I associate with this kind of person. So you're going to feel shame of your own if you've been betrayed and we know if you've betrayed someone else, you know the kind of feeling of shame that you're gonna have. So if you're going if you want to rebuild trust, you have to be willing to enter that shame. You have to be willing to say, hey, this is the shame I'm feeling. And the other person says, Hey, this is the shame I'm, that I'm feeling. And that is actually gonna help you to move in more than apart. So that's so that's the first step for you to build trust. Secondly, rebuilding trust involves embracing the grace God gives you embracing the grace that God gives you. You know for for people that have been hurt or that have been betrayed often maybe you've been there or maybe you hear them say I still love them though. And they wrestle with that. I should be more mad. Why am I not as mad as I should have been? Why 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 am I still doing them good? Why am I still loving them? And they can feel like no, I shouldn't be this way and maybe you know, they come and tell us, I don't know if it's happened to you, sometimes you can get mad on behalf of someone else. It's like, you're not, come on, increase your volume of madness. Come on, be more, be more angry about this, right? Come on, be more angry. And they're like, somehow I have this, and I think I cannot explain it apart from it's God's grace. Because the pain of betrayal is so deep that you need to cherish even a single doses of God's grace for you. And I think that's God's grace. Now, for the one who has betrayed, the betrayer, the betrayer wants punishment. So when they are receiving the love of the person they betrayed, they are like, no, 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 don't give me that. Give me punishment. I'll feel better if you can punish me rather than if you are being kind to me. And they're also not willing to embrace God's grace for them because God's grace is not for the deserving, it's for the undeserving. God's grace is for, it's not for those who are perfect. It's for those who are not perfect. So receive God's grace, which God gives you in this moment, no matter where it's coming from. Embrace it. Receive it. Number three, trust rebuilding trust involves watching out for your temptation to control the other. Watching out for your temptation to control the other. Here's the reality. You cannot trust on behalf of someone else. You cannot live faithfully on behalf of someone else you can't you can only do your part and when betrayal has happened you need to realize there is their battle God's battle and your battle and leave their battle to them leave God's battle to them and carry your battle so walk your journey walk your journey so rebuilding trust cannot be dependent on your ability to stop the other person from doing the wrong thing because other people say hey I'm going to be faithful I'm going to be kind I'm going to do the right thing so that my partner doesn't do the bad thing again that's not a good place for you to be that's not your battle to fight that's not yours so walk your path because that way you, you're not going to control your partner because if you are always wanting to be faithful on behalf of your partner it's going to destroy them it's not going to do them good Actually, adventure is going to destroy you. So instead of focusing on the don'ts, what do I do so I don't betray the other person? Just focus on the do's. Be faithful, that's it. Be faithful, and you're going to kill the other thing. Okay, lastly, if you're going to build trust, take the next best step at a time. Take the next best step at a time. You know, when you're rebuilding trust, you're going to fall into the temptation of like, seeing your relationship in the eyes of five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. And when you do that, you're going to be so discouraged. So discouraged. Because you're only going to make that judgment based on what you're feeling in the moment and what, what you have experienced. And you don't want to do that. You want to ju- just do the next best step. So what's, what's the next best step for you now, today, in this moment? All right. Let me finish by by. Giving, a, giving you guys 10 mistakes that the unfaithful make when they're in the process of rebuilding trust. 10 mistakes that the unfaithful make or they make when, when you're in the process. Or maybe 10 ways they make it hard for the hurt partner to build trust with them. Mistake number one impatient with the healing process. Being impatient with the healing process. To remember that this, the journey of recovery is actually a journey, it's a process. And you cannot rush the other partner. You cannot say like, come on, you forgive me. Why is still bring this thing up? No, it's a process, a journey. So be patient. Number two, looking out information over time. Looking out information over time. More especially if they've been cheating and unfaithfulness. You know, other people don't want to share everything at once. And we know the feeling of that. Why? It's because we don't want to hurt our partner even more. So we want to protect them from the pain. But when you do that, you share a little bit of information today, and the next week a little bit more, and the next month a little bit more, that's going to wreck them even more. You're better off to bring it all out in the open, because that's better than licking, uh, licking information over time. Mistake number three, avoiding difficult conversations. You know, when betrayal has happened, you're going to run away from holding difficult conversations. It's better for you to approach questions with humility, with kindness, and grace. So don't avoid them. Engage even in the difficult conversations. Mistake number four, continuing contact. More especially if there have been betrayal. continuing contact with the unfaithful partner, with the other person. Um, that's going to destroy trust even more. So cut off contact completely and don't keep going. Number five, defending their fair partner. You know... Um, The partner brings up, and you're like, No, she's not like that, or he's not like that. You're defending their fair partner. Do not do that. That is sending the message that you are prioritizing their fair partner over your partner. And do not do that. Number five, avoiding discussion about your partner's feelings. The reality is that the hurt partner is going to keep bringing this issue over and over and over again. It's a process. They're going to continue to bring it up over and over again. And sometimes you'll be so exhausted. You will not want to hear because, you know, we cannot stand seeing our loved ones in so much pain. That's what wrecks us. That's what breaks us. But you're better off leaning in rather than avoiding avoiding their feelings. Number seven, highlighting your partner's flaws. Highlighting your partner's flaws. This um, shows that you're not taking full responsibility of your actions. You know, when you say, yeah, I did that because of da 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 I did it because you were da-da-da-da-da-da. When you do that, you're avoiding responsibility. And don't do that. Now, could there be things that they should improve? Of course. But now is not the time to do it. Number eight, continuing to lie. Continuing to lie. You know, often we withhold truth and information again for the sake of wanting to protect the partner from more pain. So therefore, we lie, and we, if you continue to lie and lie, because for the betrayal to happen, you are lying. So now you don't want to continue with that; you want to lay it down. Number ten, number nine, rather avoiding help, avoiding help, more especially when it's the hurt partner demanding it. You know, sometimes people are like, "No, okay, I know my mistakes now. Don't worry, we don't need anybody else." It's because. They're also running away from facing the shame that comes with getting help. That's a mistake. Lastly, breaking commitments and agreements. Breaking commitments and agreements. You have agreed to these commitments, but then you have continued to break them. That actually becomes a character flaw, and it's never going to help you as you're building trust. We're going to be creating a space for those that are willing to want to dive deep in into wanting to rebuild trust in their relationships that has been lost. If you are that person or that kind of couple, feel free to reach out to me and we're going to get you a part of um, uh, a group that we are creating uh, because I know there is a lot to talk about here and it's not as easy as it seems. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We need to be willing to trust God when things are good. We need to be willing to trust God when things are bad. We need to be willing to trust God even when we are in pain. We can trust God. Why? Because God sees better than us. We can trust God because God knows better than us. We can trust God because God is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. Let's pray. I want you to just take a moment right now. Some of you already know, like, hey, God is calling me To trust him in this area of my life. Are you willing to say yes to God? Are you willing to let go of your need for convenience, need for comfort, need for control? And say, God, I want to do what your word says. God, I want to trust you and I live faithfully. Are you willing to do that? And some of you can see that clearly. You can see that God is calling me to be faithful in that area. God is calling me to trust him in that area. I want you to just take a moment and just pray for yourself where you can come to God. God, give me the courage to walk in that path. Strengthen me, Lord, to walk in that path because it is good for you. It's good for you. So just take a moment. are here and you know that you are yet to have a relationship with Jesus maybe you've been coming to this church because of a friend or someone you know but you're like I'm yet to give my life to Jesus just want to pray with you this morning maybe you can even raise your hand if you know that I just need a relationship with Jesus I don't have that relationship with you I don't have that connection with God I want to have the connection with God I want to just pray with you. Because trust starts with entrusting yourself to God. Where you surrender your hearts to God. And Maybe you can follow me in this prayer. Just saying, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your kindness. Forgive me of my sin. Have mercy on me. Help me, Lord, to follow you. Spirit of God, help me to follow Jesus. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We can trust God because God is trustworthy. We can trust God because God is able to change hearts and to change lives. Even those that have been broken. Even those that have been broken by their own sin. Jesus is able to change you. He's able to transform your life. We're going to have prayer counselors around. If you're looking for prayer, either around what we've spoken, or maybe you're trusting God to do something in your life. It might not be even related to what I was talking about. You can feel free to go to these prayer counselors and receive prayer as we worship God one more time. Would you please stand as we worship God one more time?